Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Did you bring wine? I got the glasses. You guys, I made a quiz. And I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted podcast, where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofskin. Oh my God, you guys, we're just here being positive and serious with a chip on my shoulder. There, right there, is where you can see Delta Nu Nu when you're whipped into shape. We'll we'll bend and snap our way to Ireland, but also with the daughters of Delta Nu, we'll see what you want. There's blood in the water, which will help to find my way. So take it like a man and run, Rufus, run, Ella Flex. Harvard variations. Joining us today are the usual <laughs> legally blondes, wow. including uh, Kevin, so much better, Jager, more like so much not here, Jager. Uh, <laughs> but in an exciting, exciting thing, uh, I don't know, just exciting, uh, Kimberly, our scene of the crime game master, an unofficial Ooh. babysitter for the hour, or should we say... I don't know, uh, baby birther. Um, welcome back, Kimberly, from her uh, podcast maternity leave. Thank you. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. If you see me staring in the distance, it's because I can hear bedtime happening without me. <laughs> well, congratulations. We're so happy to have you back. Thank you. As you actually take a sip of liquor. As I take a sip of actual alcohol for the first time on this show in almost a year. Hey. <laughs> but with us today is a Tony nominee and Olivier winner whose work you've definitely seen. The Legally Blonde book, the screenplay for Freaky Friday, or What to Expect When You're Expecting. Legally Blonde, the musical, The Search for Elwood's Judge. Perhaps you've heard of her upcoming new book, The Trouble with Drowning. Well, let's give a big, broad-waisted welcome to friend of the show of the show. Hello. Yeah. Yay. Hey, thank you for having oh, me. Oh yeah, of course. Uh we it, it is our pleasure. Uh we're so happy to have you. Um 
Uh, let's just start with, what are you drinking? What are we drinking? Oh, my gosh. This is pathetic. I'm drinking, um, I call it my trailer trash latte. <laughs> Diet, Diet Mountain Dew. Dew. It's earlier here in California, so I'm not sure. drinking. Uh, yeah, I am upset. I've been obsessed with this stuff, and I give it up here and there, you know, for health and all that, because I know that neon green isn't isn't good to drink. Yeah, but it so much joy, and I just sort of feel like yeah, what's the joy? Yeah. Anyway, one hundred percent. No, I love that lemon lime. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Mountain Dew is the only thing to get when you go to Taco Bell. Also, just just to throw it out there, the yeah. Baja Blast. That's 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 life. <laughs> uh kimberly uh you know what? i'll go i'm drinking corona very exciting nothing too crazy yeah. enjoying the last days of summer i guess and then uh kimberly will finish off with you what are you drinking uh for my first drink back in typical me fashion i hadn't thought about it until right before and so what was in my fridge was um, a pitcher of iced tea that i poured some hudson whiskey into and Ooh delectable i am such a lightweight that i'm just like it's really strong there's not that much whiskey in here yeah well so you've, I, you've been off the juice for a while so i know yeah. i think this might be my first whiskey i went back to wine pretty quick but yeah <laughs> yeah here i am with a mixed cocktail as one uh, should fantastic uh let's get started with uh heather what is your favorite musical of all time of all mm-hmm. time you oh, can also well. create Oh, of right know. now, right. of high yeah. school, of yeah. Oh, I have so many favorite musicals. I mean, Legally Blonde is my favorite musical right, because right, of what right, it right. has done for my life and what it gave to my life and how much I love it. Um, I am a massive fan of Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. Oh, yes. I feel like that made. I had the cast album or the soundtrack actually in high school and would drive around when everyone else was listening to. Bon Jovi. I was listening to Little Shop of Wars. <laughs> I just love that show so much. I just did karaoke the other night, and I was doing somewhere that's green. Everyone's like, "Can we wrap this up?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that show. So, uh, it's hard to. I mean, Hamilton Avenue Q, um, West Side Story. I mean, you know, I can go on and on and on. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. where where yeah. would we be? What. Um, was there a did you grow up on the um m- the musical of little shop or the movie the movie mm-hmm. and i saw it about four times yeah you know i came to broadway a little late in the game i guess um because i grew up in iowa and colorado where let's there's not massive theater mm-hmm. but when i got the job to do legally blonde i realized how much theater is just in me because my mother is like a living Broadway musical and mm. sings all the shows. So I knew yes. all the words weirdly and I didn't even know I knew them. Sure. And not only that, I, d- I did improv comedy for years in Denver with a troupe and my favorite game to play was Broadway musical. And mm. I just, it's just in my idea, you know, it's just who I am. Yeah. And I didn't kind of even know it in a weird way. Yeah. There are shows I'll go see a show and I'll be like, I did not know I knew every single word to like Fiddler on the Roof. Like I like it just like su- it like catches you off guard and by surprise like how much it's yeah. like ingrained, ingrained. in someone. Oh yeah, stuff comes up on my like Spotify shuffle and I'm just like, "Oh, I still know all of the words to all of Spring Awakening." 
for yeah. the rest of my life, probably. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, and you know, for me, like movie musicals, even though there weren't that many, made a, as much an impact on me as Greece was one of the most the greatest moments of my life. Was mm-hmm. getting the last two seats in the front row in Ames, Iowa, and just oh god, I love that movie so much. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I mean, is there are there any recent um, movie um, musicals? Movie musicals that you've really dug because I feel like we talk a lot. We talk about it too, like the nostalgia you have for the older ones and stuff. But are there ones that recent that you've like? I mean, I love Schmigadoon. I think it's amazing. Oh yeah, Yeah. Uh, absolutely love it. Um, I know it's not a musical musical, but La La Land is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and. What else am I just thinking? I mean, Barbie is sort of a... I was going to say... Barbie is 100% a musical. Yeah, and like, it does have, like, an homage to old school yeah, movie musicals. Singing like, in the Rain. Yeah. Yeah. So um, good. And 100%. It's, it's Greta's favorite movie of all time, which I will have you know, in this book that is coming Ooh. out October 17th, The Trouble with Johnny, I wanted... I have a pug named Don Lockwood. Okay. <laughs> uh, first thing in the rain, because it's one of my all-time favorite movies, too. And I love Gene Kelly, like had a massive crutch on Gene Kelly. Um, and I always wanted to have a pug named Don Lockwood, but then Donald Trump happened, and I don't want to have a pug named Don. Don, Don of any yeah. kind. Yeah. That's over. So yeah. I got to do it through my book. That's great. It's <laughs> a great name for a dog. Don um, Lockwood, right? <laughs> yes. Well, let's let the great segue. Let's talk about the book. So this is your first, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your first foray into um, like prose fiction. Is that? I I wrote actually a young adult novel. Um, oh. with Mary Rogers, Richard Rogers daughter. Cool. Um, Freaky Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. that YA novel that came out 15 years ago or so. Um, so that was my first novel um but this is my kind of foray into adult fiction okay and um i mean i've always been a storyteller i've always been a writer and mm-hmm. when covid happened i just started reading so compulsively oh sure um it was it was i really felt like i was a um kid again who had discovered little house of the prairie and nancy drew and judy bloom mm-hmm. the time i just that's all i did is read yeah and it saved me. And so I was like, I want to do this. Like, I this is what I need to do. And it really yeah. saved my mental health during COVID because I just got super obsessed with writing this book. Did you read a, oh, so you're writing the book, but what series did you refine during um, COVID? Did you find a series or were you just sort of I reading I just started reading a, because I've always had this idea for a psychological thriller. I love psychological mm-hmm. oh, sure. thrillers and I love Hitchcock and I love just that slow burn. Uh Um, Oh, yeah. Preaching to the choir here, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, super. I just, you know, we all I read different things for different parts of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But during COVID, I just really wanted compulsively readable, fun, but not stupid books that were just a delight to inhale. And um, I started reading a bunch of psychological thrillers. So I just kind of went down the list of all the bestsellers. And I would often just go to Target every, when I would go to Target, when it was a life, you know, Mm -hmm. proposition. And I would grab one, you know, one of the bestsellers and read it in a day or two. And I studied those carefully. Um, 
but it's just a genre that's really fun. Yeah. Was there, of, of the books that you read, is there one that was a standout for you for whatever Gone reason? Girl. It, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gone Girl, I'll never forget when, I mean, I still think that the prose, the writing, the insight, the characters, the mm-hmm. pacing, how unusual it is in its, in its perspective. Um, I remember starting it years ago, whatever year that came out. And they referenced, she referenced The Sure Thing, which I think is one of the most underrated movies mm-hmm. in America <laughs> or mm-hmm. history of cinema that you can't bear, you can't find anymore with John Cusack and Daphne Zeninga and oh, yeah. also directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that movie and they referenced it. And I was like, okay, this is, this person has cracked into my brain. <laughs> um, so I, I, I just, I read the whole day and that was it. And then I reread what, it a few times before I started writing this. Mm. Was the, was the book your first experience with it or had you seen the David Fincher adaptation? Oh, I mean, I, I definitely saw it as soon as it came out mm. and I was excited to hear that David Fincher was doing it. Cause there's really no one else that could, I still like the oh, book yeah. more. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Are here's a question. Are there any movie adaptations of a book that you like better than the book itself? I was just thinking that that are two. Oh, um, election. Oh, okay. Oh, Elections election one of my all-time was favorite movies. I have mm-hmm. so many all-time favorite movies, but <laughs> election to me is just divine. And it's so funny. It's so subversive. And it's so pertinent. And um, I love the book and I love Tom Perot as a writer, but I think that the they they honored it better in, in the film version. And also Jaws. Way better movie than a book. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I want to be scared of a shark on the book. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> Jaws is no business being such a great movie. I mean, sharks aren't smart. They don't like attack towns and go mm-hmm. after boats and, you know, have vengeance plans and like try to bring down the holiday weekend. Um, but you totally buy it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Jaws this is a shark perfect does. Movie. This Jaws is a perfect movie. movie. I, I just sort of, and I, God, I'm dying to see, and the, and the shark didn't work. The shark is broken. Yeah. The shark me too. is yeah. broken. Ah, I would kill to see that. Yeah, that's that's high on my list. Jaws is is Jaws is my f- top three favorite movies of all time. Yeah, my dad took me when I was four years old. Hmm. Oh, we, that's a choice. That was we, a- used, <laughs> we used to watch <laughs> movies every uh, New Year's Eve. So we, we it would usually like a Hitchcock movie or like a scary movie. So one year we watched Jaws, and I don't think any movie has affected my life. The way that Jaws has affected my life. I'll be in a pool and think the shark's going to attack me, even though I know I'm in a pool. Me too. I think before I saw Jaws, I went on the Universal Jaws ride. Oh, yeah, sure. Where often the shark was broken. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) When I first saw that title, I was like, is it about the ride? Yeah. Um, And that scared me more than the movie because it was like, it's right there. And I probably was four. Totally. An actual shark scaring yeah, I, I love that movie because it has such a... And I remember making a decision in the movie that my mom went out of town to visit her sister. And she said, do not take her to see... Because I was obsessed with seeing it. Like, mm-hmm. still the poster in the mall. Yeah. The naked woman, the, the monster. Everyone yeah. was talking about it. I'm like, I have to see this. I have to be a part of this. I mean, well, right? 
Actually, what do I have? I have, I have t-shirts. I have other things. I don't have it here. It's so good. And um, in the book, Hooper has an affair with Ellen, by the way. Yes. Oh. Which does not work. No. Uh, but my mom left and I was like, dad, we take me. And so he took me and it was like, everyone's screaming. I'm four, four. I'm not even in kindergarten. And I remember the scene when they find the body and the eye comes out, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They refilm that in a pool. Yeah. Uh, and I remember just thinking, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and I'll just wait there until it's over. <laughs> and my dad leaned over and he's like, don't worry, the shark won't come. So I sat there with like this and I said, shark won't come, shark won't come, shark won't come, shark won't come. And then everyone screamed, you know, when the body came out. But I thought I made it through that. I can okay. do this. I'm going to do this. And it, it's, you know, I live right near the ocean. I almost never go in it. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> no. I mean, the magic of that movie is that the best scene is the shark is not in. Like the magic of that movie, the the scars in the USS Indianapolis scene, like it's uh-huh. kind of incredible that like I, I honestly it reminds me of a musical where like the shark attacks are the songs and then the book is everything in between. And the book of that movie is so superior almost to the shark attack scenes. Like that's what makes the shark attack scenes even better. That you can't see. Yeah, because the shark was broken. <laughs> yeah. And if Bruce had worked, it wouldn't the movie would no. have well no way um it's the mystery of underneath you mm-hmm. which is oh, what yeah. is so terrifying it's totally. why you're terrified of the ocean now because you're in the ocean you're just like but you can't always see the shark yeah right that's how i am at all times totally it's it's so good oh anyway don't get me started no I'm, it's my one of my like <laughs> catch lines is i'm the gal who wants to talk about jaws for four hours so listen you're talking to the right person i have a full jaws uh collection of stuff it's in another room but like artwork <laughs> action figures like i have the cup from universal studios from yeah. the ride i love it um but while we're talking about psychological thrillers so for those of you um curious um about uh the book the trouble with drowning it is a psychological thriller a troubled young writer um intertwines herself with her ex-boyfriend's family and refuses to let go. I'm very excited for this. Um, I love a good thriller. Um, so I guess, you know, you talked a little bit about the inspiration, but I guess in terms of writing it, do you, how much of it was like fully planned out and then you filled in the blanks? How much of it was like, go along as you, as you, as you write, like what, and, and so what was the process there for, for writing the book? Um, I've had this idea for, for this, for about, <laughs> God, 30 years, literally. Like I came up with the idea in college and I thought it was a good premise. Cool. Um, but when I started to work on it in earnest, I started a compulsively reading psychological thrillers. And then I also read Stephen King's On Writing, mm-hmm. uh, which is so inspirational to me. I love Stephen King. He was one of my favorite writers and still is one of my favorite writers. Um And I had it pretty well flushed out for the most part, but I really kept it open to have the characters lead me in a different direction. Um, That's how I like to write best. I like to know where I'm going. I like to have a basic structure. I like to have the major plot points and kind of um, twists in place. But if you don't have that spontaneity, if you have it too laid out it just isn't original and and you don't let the characters talk to you yeah um and did you i guess 
how much changed through the different drafts? Did plot stay the same and characters changed? Did, for, like, the, like, for the most part, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to make, I mean, I hired an editor who really worked with me and, and gave me a bunch of notes that I resisted that I can't even remember sure. what the big one was. Sure. It was like, that's wrong. And then I yeah. thought about it for more than 48 hours. I'm like, she's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it just helps because you're so in the weeds with a book. I mean, it was just like, you just spend all your time. And I wake up in the middle of the night, not being able to sleep. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to think about my characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and also during COVID, which was also a big gift during the writing of this book, is I love sleep. Like, I've always been a super, super talented sleeper. <laughs> okay. And as I get older, I'm not quite as as um, deft with the whole thing. But uh, I didn't have to wake kids up for school. I just got to sleep. And I love that twilight of consciousness and unconsciousness of mm-hmm. when you're kind yeah. of asleep and kind of not. Um, and I love dreams. I just love the creative process. And my husband's like, I know you're working. You can just lay in bed as long as you want. I'll I'll feed the kids. So I would just what a dream. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And I would just figure it out in that kind of in between space mm-hmm. of awake and not and um the more we could tap into our dreams i think the more creative we can be and that that was a great time for me to work on these characters and the story that's wonderful i'm really excited to read this um um, in the description of this for everyone listening in the description of this episode is a link where you can pre-order the book um, which will turn into order the book if you're listening to this after october 17th but october 17th is um when uh, this book, The Trouble with Drowning, is released. So definitely get your hands on it. It sounds interesting. And honestly, like your love for 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 everything that influenced this makes me even more excited to read this, to be totally honest. Oh, good. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. Like there's been things that I didn't even realize I was almost working through, which is what writing kind of is, is working uh-huh. through what you're confused about and and puzzled about in the world you work it out through your writing so there's a lot of influence of like the way social media makes us all navel gazers and makes us all think that everyone else has a better life than you and Mm -hmm. even if you tell yourself you don't we all do it and so there was a lot of commentary I wanted to look at of just comparisons and of grading our lives versus what's on the screen and Mm -hmm. what we see around us which is all often very false. Sure. Um, So there was just a lot of modern stuff within this idea that I came up with a long time ago and obsession, which I tend to be an obsessive person. Um, I have OCD called trickle telemania. I compulsively pick my hair out. I Mm -hmm. I have a lot of obsessive qualities. So the character cat is a very obsessive person. Um, And so I kind of get to work out my own demons in a safe way on this, on the page. And when you completed it, when you, when it was finished for now, like, did you, was there a great sense of kind of like, I guess, what was the feeling like an idea that you had come up with years beforehand now kind of was completed? Was it deeply satisfying? Was it sad? Was it a little bit bit of of everything? A little bit of both. I mean, I, it, you know, when you, when you're working so single, mindedly on on a project it's it gives your life such such focus and 
sometimes when you take that away, it's you feel a bit adrift and and what am I doing now? And um, I loved having this project to distract me from the world. Yeah. You know? And so once it was done, I was like, and it becomes a baby. I just feel like creative projects are always babies. They're just mm-hmm. they're these things you nurture and love and grow and you give birth to, and there's other people involved and, you know, you feel so kind of maternal and protective of your baby. I feel that way about all my projects. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Does it feel weird to have a project you can hold in your hands? Because a musical can sort of live and other people interpret it in different ways, but like you have a book that is you showed it to us. Like it is that's right. the final version. It's very exciting. crazy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I love, because I love books and um, just to be, to have written one and to have it yeah. come out. It's just, it's really thrilling. I just hope, you know, and then you have to let go of whatever it will be, will be. Mm-hmm. I think yes. you know, with the writer's strike going on now, I think it would be a great series. Um, but of course we can't go out with it because of the sure. strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but I write very cinematically because I see things sure. so visually. Um, and I tend to be, I kept having to kind of switch off my screenwriter, you know, mm-hmm. read us, you know, head and focus more on the, the novel of it all. But I do think that it would be a, a terrific series or movie or something. So actually, that leads me to my next question. Um, can you talk about writing something kind of more or less, yes, you had influences, but writing more or less something from scratch versus the adaptation? And I know it's different mediums, and I, and I understand that mm-hmm. they use different writing skills in different parts of your brain. But um, the idea of adapting or or at least um, based on an, an uh, already existing IP um, mm-hmm. uh, versus kind of creating for your own if, if process differences or just, you know, internally how you work through some of that. I love doing adaptations. That's kind of been always my sweet spot. I've done, mm-hmm. ton, you know, you look at Freaky Friday, What to Expect, Legally Blonde, like mm-hmm. they're all adaptations. I love taking existing material and giving it my own spin and take. So it was really interesting to just have this be my own being and my own baby. And it was also at once kind of terrifying because when you get Mm -hmm. used to that collaborative experience, you get to bounce off everybody. And when you're not having a great day, you you know, you can maybe not say as much that day. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it was also kind of more satisfying in the sense that it was just all my little interior world, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, um, it just felt a little bit more intimate in my own. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 
And talking just about Legally Blonde for one minute, Mm -hmm. um, looking back on the uh, uh, kind of a different question, but, you know, I'm sure you've given a ton of interviews on on Legally Blonde and, and, and kind of the process and all that. But I don't know. This is a huge, this podcast stands Legally Blonde. We think it's an incredible musical from beginning to end. It is wildly underrated, um, like in the canon of musical theater. I think it is top three, if not the best movie musical adaptation, like by far. Um, We've said that many times. (laughs) Many times. Um, I should do, I should do like a a super cut of like us saying it every time, but like we love it here. I guess as someone who was a part of that creative process, you know, is, is, is always associated with that. Looking back, what do you, what does it mean to you? Or, or what do you think of when you see that show or hear that show? Like what, what does it mean to you now than what it meant to you then, or even a couple of years ago? Yeah, it's interesting. It, I mean, this is a long conversation. It means so much to me. I mean, first of all, I think honestly, my naivete about the whole process served me quite well. Mm. I think often sure. that is that is often true, that the more you know, the more terrified you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many things I just didn't understand until it happened. You know, I had no idea how much the New York Times review was going to impact the show, like mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so I just kind of brought enthusiasm and a lot of that kind of Elwood's, it's going to be great, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think I'd be much more almost intimidating now to do it. Um, sure. but I'm so proud of it. And the fact that I got pregnant with my daughter, um, and like literally had her, you know, breastfeeding her, you know, there in rehearsal space, so I had this feeling of like Legally Blonde was already this baby of mine. And then I actually had a child. So it was just so much growth and birth. Yeah. And um, just such a fertile, crazy time. Like I literally had a complete mental breakdown at or out of town in San Francisco and said, this isn't working and had to send her home with the nanny. And it was mm. like, there were so many breakdowns that I had. And I kind of don't know how I survived it on that level sure. Uh, but I have so much pride about the show and I truly believe that a lot of the community treated the show like people treated Elle when she showed up at Harvard yeah yeah that people didn't want to admit they liked it as much as they did that they thought that they were going to be stupid if they liked it and it's been really interesting to see Barbie um, do so well. And I think that yeah. I attach a little bit. There's a lot of parallels between the Barbie character and Elle Woods. Like she's so positive. She's gorgeous. Everyone loves her. She's searching for something more. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think that she went out in, on her own to kind of venture outside of her palace to to grow. And it's been really interesting to see how that it hasn't been accused of being superficial or, you know, dumb in that same way, but it also had Greta Gerwig with all these kind of indie, you know, credibility and Mm -hmm. Noah Bombach, who's like an indie darling. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm still just really defensive about, uh, 
when it's criticized because sure. I do, and I'm not just speaking this for tooting my own horn. I think that Larry and Nell, it's one of the best. It's uh, one of the best scores and it's scores like ever. Yeah. And I think you're kind of like Brian and I, we've talked to so many people and we always say that it's the best movie musical adaptation, but there is always this like hot take about it that I think everyone was a little afraid to say that when it came out, is that sort of what you felt? Yeah. That like no, when it was I've out, everyone, yeah. Heard that people, yeah, that they just didn't want to um, give it credibility because it would make them look stupid. When like, yeah, that's such a shame because at the time, like it could have been heralded as like, this is the way you do an adaptation. Whereas yes. everyone was a little like scared, maybe, I don't know, to just say how much they liked it, like you said. Yeah. I think now everyone is like looking back, just like, wait a minute. And I think it's had this new life regionally in the last couple of years that I think everyone's just like re-obsessed. I remember wow. seeing it. The, I remember seeing the original cast and, and literally saying like, like going in with very, with specific ep- uh, expectations because of the articles and everything. And, and, and I walked up to them and like, what the fuck are people talking about? Like, I remember thinking that in my head being like, this was, this was the opposite of what everyone is saying. Like, this is magical. And I like, it was just like, it was like very disappointing that like, that like it didn't get the love that it deserved based on the quality of musical that it is. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we had seen it together. It was one of the best nights in the theater I've ever had. And I remember it vividly because the two women sitting next to us had clearly been shopping all day. Like they had, they were tourists that did a full New York day. They had shopped at at probably every neighborhood and all of their bags were under their seats Mm -hmm. and like under our seats as well. And like, I think they also had food. Like it was the craziest. (laughs) Like we were all just so excited. And, yeah, and, you, so good. I, and then I remember like watching it on MTV. Like, well, that, that was yeah. what an experience. And then Search for the Next Del Woods is just a really cultural touchstone of my <laughs> be, high school experience. Be, before we get to like our game and stuff like that, my, my question is like, you've been along the journey the whole time, the Search for El Woods, all of that. I, I don't know because I don't know the history of all this and whatnot, but like, would you say that the MTV like situation kind of turned the tides a little bit on the show? Or, or in what or, sense, and for the better I, or worse? I mean, I would like to say better. Well, it, it raised the profile, and I think, um, you know, it was frustrating because, you know, every also there was a stagehand, you know, strike that happened over Thanksgiving, mm, right? And Christmas, right. which is our, yeah, that's when everything you make most of your money. Um, so it was just, it just felt battered, it just felt and. My God, Ben Brantley said my book was vulgar. Oh, <gasps> really? Vulgar. Well, that's a whole nother conversation about. <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation about like who should be writing reviews. Uh huh. That's um. It, yeah, I don't think I've ever read the review because what? It's pretty mixed. It's mixed is is kind. Um. Anyway, yeah, but I had no idea how much you know critics could tank a show. Um, and I just re- like, I watched it how many times, you know, yeah. in the back of the theater and I, yeah, yeah, of course. It. And I remember this one that they, it was sold out during, during the previews. And um, 
it was a dad and his two daughters and wife, and he did not want to be there, you know, and he sat down and he was like, oh, I could just feel his energy. And I was like, I want to study this guy. Sure. Yeah. And it was so fun to watch him just each song. I could feel his energy just shifting and him coming alive. And it was like, he just, <laughs> his whole countenance just changed. Mm-hmm. And I, and you know, so much better. And the first act ends and he was like, this is a great show. He was like more excited than, you know, his wife and daughters. And I was like, we got it, you know? Yeah, you did get it. Yeah. Well, and then it felt like you didn't, it it just, the whole thing. I mean, there's talk of, you know, there's loose talk of a revival. I just Mm -hmm. think the time is, is right. Um, and how well it continues to do. And I mean, it's amazing to me that we're still, you know, no one thought Callahan should become the president. I mean, it, you know, just how mm. prescient the whole thing was. Yeah. Too, and um, all of it. It's just amazing. Well, we love it here. I and know, we know we that a, we know a, a gaggle, a slew, a maraud of, like, of, of people who love that show. I, I, I just I think it's fantastic. And I think your work is fantastic on it. Thank um, you. Well, with that being said, let's play a game. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I have a very silly game um, inspired by what we're talking about today and also a recent road trip I went on that included a Pizza Hut. Mm, they still exist? So, yes. In <laughs> the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, off Highway 70, there are freestanding Pizza Huts. Multiple. I saw multiple. Um, they were closed and you couldn't eat it and we had to get takeout. It was very sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I made a game called Book It. Book It. Book It. If you recall, the Book It All right. promotion at Pizza Hut. Okay. Um, but basically, we're each going to pitch a plot of a book. And I have three different um, categories to give you that will inform what your book will be about. So I have um, different pizza restaurants. Okay. Oh it sounds very complicated. Brian will go first. It's very silly and fun. All right. Um, a genre of book. And then I have my Lights of Broadway show cards here. So one of these musicals will inspire your book that will be in a specific genre and incorporate a pizza restaurant of some kind. Okay. Um, oh. Brian, since we are not in person and you can't pick out of a hat. Sure. Um, Will you just pick two random numbers between one and six? Sure. Let's do two and three. Wonderful. So you will be creating a YA fantasy novel um, with a dominoes in the plot. And then just kind of say when and I'll pull a show card. When? Inspired by Wicked. Excellent. Okay. So very simply... um, we have two kids who live in a town. Um, this town is in a seaside town. It's supposed to be symbolic of the fact that it's like kind of the end of the world. Um, there's nothing to do there. Um, but um, the exciting thing about this town is they finally are getting a Domino's. Um, it's where all the kids hang out. You know, they're so excited. Um, and um, and and so one night, this the two friends 
um, go to the Domino's and they don't have anything to do, whatever. They're kind of sitting in the back parking lot and uh, they find a package of Domino's, the game, back there. And they're like, oh, maybe we should play. And at the strike of midnight, they're playing Domino's in front of the Domino's and they open up a portal at the Domino's into a fantasy land that is 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 like is reminiscent of Oz, but it's not Oz. They think it's Oz, and we we make reference to Oz, and they think, oh, this probably works like Oz. I've read all of the books. I've read, I've seen Wicked, I've done all of that. But realistically, it's not like Oz at all. And like it, we subvert your expectations. Um, however, there is a wicked witch. There is a witch. Um, um, the two of them find that they are connected to the witch. Um, and it's a, I'm, I'm changing, it's a brother and a sister. So they're all related. And the backstory is like they're, they're, um, only their dad, um, you know, there's mystery about what happened to their mom and all of that. And then, um, they find out in the world at the end of the first book that the witch is their mother. Um, and then that's the end of the first book. And then you have to read on. Um, but also just to tie dominoes in a little bit, a lot of the world is pizza-y. Um, and so, you know, like certain things are made of cheese and different toppings, toppings are currency and stuff, stuff like that. So, uh, that's, um, obviously called, um, the domino effect. Jesus. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good for you. (laughs) Heather, would you like a turn? I don't know that after the domino effect, I feel very, very trepidatious about this game. (laughs) Okay. I'm just used to my antics. Okay, so two numbers between one and six, and then we'll have you pull a card. One and five. Oh, so a thriller. Oh, okay. with one, two, three, four, five. With Little Caesars. Okay. Or Little Caesars, as I wrote it down for some reason. Pizza, pizza. <laughs> um, and then say when, and I'll pick a card. One. The prom. Oh, my God. Now, do I have to include Little Caesars? Can I just spin off whatever I want with that? Yeah. Do I have to make it actual pizza? Oh, no, no, no. Do whatever you want with those three ideas in your head. Okay. What are the three ideas? Little Caesars, prom, and... A thriller. 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 Okay. Mine is not going to go as in-depth as Brian, Um, but we are... Our main character is Caesar, a very small, diminutive, a la Owen Meany sort of character who feels like he's constantly overlooked in life. Mm-hmm. He's the last to get chosen for dodgeball. He doesn't even want to play dodgeball. He's a very misunderstood um, character. And his favorite movie of all time and favorite book is Carrie. Um, because he feels a sort of psychic connection to Carrie and how Carrie is overlooked in the real world. So he feels this real kinship with Carrie. So um, Caesar crafts and sort of a Carrie-like take to bring down the prom. And he is going to enact his revenge on um all the the hunky tall kings and queens 
and he is horrified to, so he's contracted, you know, the whole thing, the whole pig blood and the yeah. whole, gonna, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to burn baby burn only to find that he is actually the winner of the prom king. So he himself is the one who is doused with his own vengeance. Right. <laughs> That's and I would read that in a second. Lesson in there. Um, maybe he tries to undo it, but I think there's something to that. Anyway, I that's love that. I like that a lot. <laughs> also, John Irving is my favorite author. Have you read his new book? It's the only one I haven't read. It's pretty terrible. Really? <laughs> maybe I won't then. No, I, I have it over there. I read the whole thing out of Allegiance to him because I'm sure this is his last book. He's 80. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how lack there's a lack of edit. There's literally like sentences that are the same, like one. Really? Yeah. I just don't know why they didn't edit it more. Um, but it still has glimmers of John Irving. Yeah. I think the last one, what was the one before that? Was that the in one person or was that the, 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 um, the one with the frying pan? I don't know. In the, I don't remember. Anyway, I really, yeah. Anyway, I love them. I love, I do too. No one meanies, one of my all time favorite books. Yeah. No. Um, do you, you could just pick for yourself, I guess, then Kimberly. Yeah. Well, no, tell me numbers and then I'll pick my own card. Mm. Well, I guess there are only two numbers left, right? Oh, true. Four. And yeah. And Which ones? Six. Great. So historical fiction with CeCe's pizza. <laughs> CeCe's. I had to, dumb. <laughs> my husband had to help me with the pizza list. And he's like, CeCe's. And I was like, which one, which one is CeCe's? CeCe's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so... It's a buffet? Like, yeah, CeCe's is a buffet. Can't say I've been. Yeah. Buffets just don't go well. No. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes a bit. Shrek. Wonderful. <laughs> Historical fiction, CeCe's pizza, and Shrek. That's tough. I know. In what part of history shall we go? (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the vein that Shrek is a Scottish ogre, this will be an historical fiction about um, Mary, Queen of Scots. And it's sort of, it's not about her life. She is sort of there and all of the timeline is happening above but this is about um the fanciful magical creatures that exist in the world that no one knows about in the time of mary queen of scots and so they all live in the moat around her castle Mm -hmm. um and they just sort of have their own world and ecosystem down there and there is the head ogre of the moat. So this is sort of also a, a prequel to Shrek about where all the ogres lived and where they came from. So all of the ogres that live in the moat at Mary Queen of Scots castle, um, one of them, he just, he thinks like better for himself and he wants to be a businessman. Of course. And so he invents a buffet and his name is Cece. Oh Yeah. Mm. And he just, he invents a buffet for all of them to come to. It is under the drawbridge. Mm -hmm. 
As one would. And it is just where all of the magical creatures that can't go out into the light of day, they come and they meet and they talk about the goings on of the day and what it means for them. And then eventually uh, they all leave for a swamp. (laughs) And he opens his own (laughs) CC's buffet and he thinks he's going to do it really well. And then um, no one comes. And so he's alone. And that's Shrek. <laughs> Spectacular. I won't write books. <laughs> <laughs> really nice. Um, uh, well, that was booked it. Book it. Love book it. it. Um, well, before we end here, um, you had mentioned a couple authors throughout this uh, podcast. So I want to know what your favorite books are by them. Um, you said Owen Meany Irving. What's your favorite Stephen King book? Shining. Movie overrated or underrated? Appropriately. I I love both, but they're very different. Mm -hmm. But it's one of my favorite movies, too. Do you prefer the TV one over the Kubrick one? Or do you prefer the Kubrick? Mm -hmm. Um, As its own standalone thing. Yeah. You know, I just don't try. I mean, I'm not into the purity. I don't think adaptations should be, you know, every. I'm not, I don't subscribe to that. You don't have to be Mm -hmm. so literal. Absolutely. The best adaptations are their own thing. Yes. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Mine is actually uh, 1122.63. I, my husband loves that book and I have not read it. Mm. Yeah. I was surprised. I love him. And when I read that, I was like, how is this my favorite one? But I guess it is. I I can't, you know, um, uh, Judy Bloom. I got to say the one that meant the most to me was Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing, just because I love comedy so much and it made me laugh so hard and I wanted to write something that made people laugh. Mm -hmm. So I just so admired that book because I thought it was so hilarious. Did you watch the Judy Bloom documentary? Yes. And I got to see her speak. (gasps) Yeah, I did get to meet her. Um, She's, you know, she's, how old is she? She's she's quite, you know, and she was swarmed. I didn't get to meet her. But um, the documentary is phenomenal. So good. She I is love her. 85. I mean, oh, wow. yeah, she's amazing. And so I just felt kind of bad. It was going to let her be. Yeah. And the Are You There, Goddess Be Margaret movie is great. Totally great. Yeah. yeah. What a... What a, what a home run. Um, Charles Dickens. My favorite Charles Dickens? Yeah. Oliver Twist. Hmm. Kimberly, do you have any answers to these as well? Do you have a favorite Judy Bloom book? Uh, are you there? Got it to be Margaret. Because mm-hmm. I think know, I read my mom's copy of that book. I mm. love that book. You know, it's hard to pick just one. I mean, yeah. she's just, but I, also, I love Judy Bloom. My mom and I, she would read them aloud to me at night. Those are our bedtime Aww. stories. I love that. You know, it's one of the most underrated, well, yeah. one of my all-time favorite books that has such a great nod to uh, theater is mm-hmm. Revolutionary Road. Oh, Yes. By Richard I've, Yates. I've only, is that, I've only seen the movie if that is what it's based on. It's not, a. I didn't love the movie. Can I just read this little section? Yes. Yeah. Such. Okay. 
The final dying sounds of their dress rehearsal left the Laurel players with nothing to do but stand there, silent and helpless, blinking out over the footlights of an empty auditorium. They hardly dared to breathe as the short, solemn figure of their director emerged from the naked seats to join them on stage. As he pulled the stepladder raspingly from the wings and climbed halfway up its rung to turn and tell them, with several clearings of the throat, that they were a damn talented group of people and a wonderful group of people to work with. <laughs> um, it hasn't been an easy job, he said, his glasses glinting soberly around the stage. We've had a lot of problems here, and quite frankly, I more or less resign myself to not expect too much. Well, listen, maybe this sounds corny, but something happened up here tonight. Sitting out here tonight, I knew suddenly, deep down, that you were all putting your hearts into your work for the first time. <laughs> I just, ah! That's so good. Um, raspingly is a I know. truly incredible word to describe Rasping that very people. specific sound. So great. <laughs> One of my, I just love this book so much. And it it includes, it has this like waiting for Guffman kind of uh Oh. Like reverence for mm. theater and how bad community <laughs> theater can be, but how sure. scared people are about it mm. and how meaningful it can be to people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love waiting for Guffman. Me too. I know. I mean, don't get me started. Yeah. Should I, <laughs> I strike this chair? Uh, I know the lingo. I've worked with Wookiee before. Truly, <laughs> yeah. truly an incredible film. Jay and I say that like when we're moving chairs in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, my, my wife and I, when something we don't like something, we'll literally turn to each other and go, boring, boring. Boring, <laughs> boring, boring. boring. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite memories of my entire life is I took my parents to see Waiting for Guffman in Denver before I moved out here. Uh-huh. On, I think it was like Easter Sunday. And my dad is one of those notorious people for laughing at the part no one laughs at. Oh, sure. right. Yeah. So when they were saying beans, 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 don't get me started about beans. <laughs> my dad is like clapping with his hands <laughs> over his head. <laughs> <laughs> no one's laughing. And he's like, thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Oh, they said beans. So beans, well, beans, beans. <laughs> on that note, that does bring yeah. us to the end of our episode. Um, thank you so thank much you for, so much for, for having hanging me. out with us. Yeah. So much for coming. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Um, as a reminder, October 17th, The Trouble with Drowning um, is out. Again, the in the description of this episode, you can pre-order it. Or if it's past October 17th, when you're listening to this, you can order it. And you're in it spooky season. There. And you're in That's spooky right. season. Yeah. Get your spook on to watch, to read this. Um, oh, I just got sure. very excited for Halloween season. I mean, I've been planning for Halloween for like months now. So I'm like, sure. I'm just like, I need it to come. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Thank we you. really appreciate you taking the time. We absolutely adore your work. And we're thank so you. happy that the person behind it is just as charming as the, as the work itself. Um, so thank you so much. Um, you can follow us wherever you get uh, social media at Broadwasted, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, join our Patreon for some theater nerdy stuff. You can also find us on um, Facebook group. Um, and then um, in addition to that, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, things like Spotify, things like Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Uh, and we end every episode with a quote. Oh, yeah. Um, and I changed the quote halfway through. Um, 1,100 men went into the water. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest. June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Uh, 
that's that, that that's my Oppenheimer. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as we end every episode, we raise a glass. Also, welcome back, Kimberly. Um, oh, thank you. Yay. Um, I'm here. But as we raise a glass, we say, Zutuapam. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you again. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.